Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, April 15th, 2019, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will get into the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs and all the action that we saw over the weekend as we try to keep up with the busiest time of year in the sports world. We also have some NFL news and notes to get to. The Patriots today, the New England Patriots began their voluntary off-season workouts. Can you believe it? They're already beginning off-season workouts. Before you know it, we'll be talking about regular season NFL football. But um, there are some other NFL news and notes that we should get to. And of course, Tiger Woods wins the Masters. How could we possibly ignore that? I will open the show with some thoughts on that because that really is the top story in the sports world. All of it today presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the perfect place to make your bets on everything in the world of sports, and there's a lot to bet on right now. You got the Stanley Cup playoffs, you got the NBA playoffs, and you got the Major League Baseball regular season in full swing. Sign up today at betonline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of PODCAST1 Sportsnet. Betonline.ag. Today's show is also presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PICK, P-I-C. That's promo code PICK, P-I-C. And at DraftKings, you got to get involved in daily fantasy baseball because if you're like me, you just have become sick and tired of playing in a fantasy baseball league where you have the same lineup and the same team every single day. Sometimes you try to make some trades during the fantasy baseball season, but 162 games, a lot of times you don't get anybody to agree to a trade that you want to make. It's just kind of boring. Well, at DraftKings, daily fantasy baseball is not boring because it's daily. You can put together a new team every single day and a new lineup every single day with a chance to win every single night. DraftKings.com, again, promo code PICK, P-I-C, to play for free with your first deposit. Welcome to the show on this Marathon Monday, April 15th. The Boston Marathon is underway. I've never run the Boston Marathon. I don't I don't know that I ever will. And I actually, I do enjoy running myself. I mean, I'm always going for runs out Castle Island. That's my go-to run. Uh, but usually, uh, you know, I think it's only around like three, three and a half miles. Um, you know, I go at a decent pace. I just, I don't know, I, I, I've i never had the urge to run a marathon. I just I just haven't. I enjoy running. I just don't know that I, I would enjoy running that long. But I, I will say, I admire the people who do because I understand just how long that is. Sometimes I'm running three, three and a half miles out Castle Island in Southie, and I'm like, can you imagine doing this, you know, how many more times this three and a half, three miles? Man, I, I just... It's not really that appealing to me. So for the people who do 
run the Boston Marathon and finish the Boston Marathon. Uh, I admire those people. They are an inspiration to the point where I do think about it every year. Like I do sit here and even talking about it right now, it gets you thinking, maybe I should run the marathon one year. I don't know. Who knows? Never say never, right? But up until this point, I have never run the marathon. So um, congratulations and early congratulations to those who run today and to those who finish and, uh, uh, you know, that's uh, it's always a big day, which means the Red Sox play at 11 a.m. And the Red Sox lineup is kind of crazy today because the team has been hit with the flu. I'll get to that, what that lineup is, what the crazy part of that lineup is. We'll, we'll go over what happened to the Red Sox in this series with Baltimore and what we saw over the weekend. But the top story in the sports world is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods wins the Masters. I am... Going to be completely honest with you. I never thought we would see the day that would happen. I never thought Tiger Woods would even win another major. But he does. It's his fifth green jacket. It's his 15th major championship. And as we know, he is second to Jack Nicholas's 18th. Jack Nicholas's 18 major championships. Tiger now with 15. Uh, this is Tiger Woods' first major championship since he won the U.S. Open in 2008. And... I just, I was somebody who kept telling you that Tiger Woods is not back until he does win something like this. So now that Tiger wins the Masters, he wins a major. And he played awesome, obviously, to win this tournament. But you look at the, on on Sunday, I I think it was around like holes six, seven, and eight, where you're like, oh, he's feeling it. And this, this, this is probably going to end up being Tiger's day, right? Um, but he wins this tournament and even someone like myself who was not wearing red on Sunday, I am not somebody that roots for Tiger Woods. I've told you that many times. And I think the reason I don't root for Tiger Woods more than anything is because everybody tries to tell me I should. Everybody tries to tell me I need to root for Tiger Woods. Why? Why do I need to root for Tiger Woods? You say, well, it's a special sports story. Well, I mean... You know, there's a lot of special sports stories that I don't necessarily sit there and root for. Nobody roots for LeBron James. I would say that his story is pretty damn special. I mean, you look at LeBron James, and right now, LeBron James is not even in the playoffs. And in fact, that obviously means he cannot, when you're not in the playoffs, it means you can't get to the NBA Finals. LeBron James was in the NBA Finals for eight straight years. Think about that. How many people were rooting for LeBron James? Was that not a special story? Of course it was a special story. But if I sat here and told you every day that you need to root for LeBron James, you'd be like, oh, Danny, shut up. Why is it any different with Tiger Woods? I don't know. I don't understand that. Tiger Woods, off the course, off the playing field, whatever you want to call it, he's been in more trouble than LeBron James has. (laughs) It's not even close. There have been more issues with Tiger Woods than LeBron James. The only thing people don't like about LeBron James is that he seemingly loves himself. And, you know, his his ego is extremely large. And people don't like that. And that's the reason a lot of people root against LeBron James. But if I sat here and told you all the time, this time of year during the NBA playoffs, when he is in it. This is one of the rare occasions that LeBron James is not in the playoffs. But... In previous years, if I had sat here and told you that you need to root for LeBron James, you'd tell me to shut up. All right? Everybody and their mother trying to tell me that I need to root for Tiger Woods. It's just, 
It's exhausting. Like, I, I don't I don't need you to tell me that. If you want to root for Tiger Woods, that's fine. That is fine. But don't, you know, part of the reason I don't root for Tiger Woods is because everybody and their mother tries to tell me I should. I don't have to, and I won't. Because there's just something about Tiger Woods that I, I've just, you know, he's he's he used to rub me the wrong way. Some of his reactions to stuff. I, I just, Tiger Woods is not my guy. I don't have a guy in golf because at the end of the day, I'm not really a big golf guy. I pay attention to the major stories, and this is a major story, and that's why I'm opening this show with it, even though I'm not a Tiger Woods guy. And you have to acknowledge this is a major sports story and the biggest sports story that's that's out there today. Of course it is. Of course it is. And I watched, and uh, I thought it was great for the sport. You know, I think some of the... Jim, Jim Nance, I just... You know, I, the Tiger Woods stuff, like, I, you want... You know, we're looking at the young kids right now who are watching Tiger maybe for the first time. And, like, it's, it's, it's just a different generation with social media and, and every, everything that everybody's doing on their phones. Um, and then, like, we, we kind of go back in time when we have Jim Nance doing all these ceremonies and he's talking real low and softly. And it's like, I think, we, are we done with Jim Nance? <laughs> like... I don't know, just just a little strange. It's just sometimes a little strange. But it was a special moment. Tiger winning the Masters, there's no question. Again, his fifth green jacket. I thought that Molinari had the best chance. If there was going to be anybody there, obviously Brooks Kepka was someone you kept your eye out for. Like I, I wish he was in the same in the same grouping as Tiger. I'd be interested to see how that play out. But, you know, we got to watch a lot of Molinari with Tiger. And I thought Molinari had the best chance early on on Sunday to sort of maybe not run away with it, but end up, you know, staying there toe-to-toe with Tiger and being victorious. And to a point where I was kind of rooting for him. I was kind of rooting for Kepka. I tell you, I always kind of root for the other guy against Tiger Woods. But Molinari... What he shoot a, a double eagle on a pop five and like fifteen or sixteen? I mean, he just you, you're watching that at one point. Tiger's hitting the fairways nonstop, and even the one he put in the woods, where he, you know he he got it out of the woods and put it right on the green. You're watching Molinari, and they keep showing the close-ups of his face, and you're like, "There's no way this guy is not gonna choke." And I'm not saying Tiger won because Molinari choked, but I'm saying. There's no way Molinari is going to continue to go toe-to-toe with Tiger Woods. Like, it, it's just not going to happen. And he didn't. And Tiger Woods won. And it's a huge story. The question is, what's next? Is Tiger Woods back? Well, I told you, I needed this moment to be able to say that. And yeah, I have to say it. He is. He's back. He's back. He, you know, I, I was one of the last holdouts there to, to, to use that phrase with Tiger Woods. But I, you can't deny it. I, to, I told you, this is the moment you need. For me to tell you that I believe Tiger Woods is back. And how could you say he's not? Some of the shots he was hitting, the groove he was... It's just really the groove he was in more than anything. It's not that there were some, you know, incredible... Like, two or three incredible shots he made. I just think that the groove you saw him in, especially around holes 6, 7, and 8, you know what I mean? Like, that groove is when you're watching going, damn, 
You know, this is this this is the Tiger Woods we used to see. You know, when he was winning majors, when he, when he won his last major in two thousand eight. Um, this is the guy, and obviously his story is wacky. You know, I think we all know the issues that Tiger Woods has faced. I think it's a little, I think it's a little wild that that a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Tiger Woods issues," as if those issues were just injury related. A lot of them were injury-related issues, but um, some of them weren't. Some of them were a little more serious than injury issues, and I think that some people have kind of left that out of the story, maybe on purpose. But um, Tiger Woods is back. I guess what's next, right? You look at Jack Nicklaus and his 18 major championships. Will Tiger Woods catch that? You can't say it's impossible now. I think two years ago we were saying it was impossible. It didn't look possible. There were even some moments last season where last year, especially towards the end, where people were like, oh, Tiger Woods is back, and I was still going, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I needed this moment with the green jacket and the Jim Nance soft talk in the clubhouse after. Like, I needed that, I needed that moment for me to come out and tell you Tiger Woods is back and for me to even acknowledge how many major championships Jack Nicholas had to, to even acknowledge the conversation of Tiger Woods surpassing him. Tiger Woods now 15 majors. We'll have to wait and see, but I was not wearing my red on Sunday, as you know. But even someone who wasn't wearing red on Sunday has to acknowledge that Tiger Woods is back, and he certainly, if he's going to play like that, if he's going to be like in that type of groove in the biggest moments, in the biggest tournaments, well... It's not crazy to think that maybe Tiger Woods has a couple of years here where he could chip away and get closer to that 18. And if he's, you know, if he gets up to 16, 17, then I think you will see. You know, you tell me when the next one is, okay? And and that's not the, I'm not trying to use that as a, I'm telling you, Tiger Woods is back. But I think once he gets, once he gets the next one, when he gets the next one, we'll be able to 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 get a, a better feel as to whether or not he is going to get to 18 and even surpass Nicholas with 19. I do think it's possible, though. If he's going to play the way he played yesterday, if he's going to play the way he played all weekend long at Augusta National, in the big moments moving forward, he's got a shot. He's got a shot. There's no question. No question. And it's the biggest story in the sports world. But I, I am not I am not someone that roots for Tiger Woods, I tell you. I root for him to be in contention on Sunday, and then I root for the other guy. I was rooting for Brooks Kepka. That's what I was rooting for. It was it, it was t- I wish they were grouped, they were paired together. I wish he was in the same group. I would have been interested to see them go toe to toe. Um But you know, that's the and for people who get upset with me for that, it almost fuels my desire to root for the other guy even more. Because you try to tell me I need to root. How could you not root for this? Such a great story. There's a lot of great stories out there that we're not, we don't root for all of them. Okay? I'm, not, I'm never going to sit here and tell you you need to root for this guy, you need to root for that guy. And you don't really see that with anybody other than Tiger Woods. And why is that? I actually, I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe it's because it's golf. And it's not like, who else, like, do you have, like, a, your favorite golfer? Like, do you have a poster of Bubba Watson on your wall? Like, 
<laughs> do you have that Phil Mickelson fat head in the basement with the kids? Like, no. <laughs> so it's like, you, nobody really, does anybody really have the, like a favorite golfer? And maybe like my generation, Tiger Woods was a guy that was exciting when he was young. Um, you know, he gave golf a different feel. He made it a more exciting sport. And I think that because of it, people started to get a favorite golfer and their favorite golfer was Tiger Woods. And if he's not your favorite golfer, then people say, well, who is? And I say, well, I don't really have one. And they say, so why wouldn't you root for Tiger? And it's like, because I, I don't, I don't necessarily like the guy. I just don't. And more than anything, I think, I don't like the fact that you're trying to tell me I need to root for him. We don't do that with any other player or athlete in any other sport, but we do with Tiger, and I think maybe the reason is because there's really no one else. Who else do you root for on a consistent basis? I'll watch the major tournaments. Um, I'd rather, you know, I, I'm going to... I'm going to stick with the local teams that I root for. How's that? That's what I stick with, the local teams that I root for, which is why I was also paying attention. As Tiger was winning the Masters on Sunday, I was also paying attention to the Celtics. That's a team that I root for. Kyrie Irving, that's a guy that I root for, okay? The Celtics had a second-half comeback at home in game one of their first round playoff series, and the Celtics defeat the Indiana Pacers 84 to 74. And this was a game in which, after the first half, and the way the first half ended, I thought was no good. Gordon Hayward, he's got two, three seconds left. He's taking the ball up the court. He decides to pass it with like 1.5 seconds left over to Terry Rozier. Gordon Hayward, if he's going to get 30 minutes a game off the bench, okay? He's going to need, in, in that spot, oh, it was, excuse me, it was the end of the first quarter, I believe. End of the first quarter? End of the first quarter. End of the first quarter. In that spot, Gordon Haywood running up the court, you know, three on two, three seconds left. He gets it up to the three-point line. At 1.5 seconds left, he dishes it off to the left to Terry Rozier. No, drive to the basket. Get a shot off yourself. Gordon Haywood, if he's going to play 30 minutes a night off the bench, he's got to get aggressive, especially in that spot. But the, the end of the first quarter didn't end well. The end of the first half didn't end well. The Celtics needed a second-half comeback, and they got it. And they did it with, you know, the moments in this game that jump off the screen. Kyrie Irving getting down and dirty. It's not necessarily the offense. What, do you have 20 points? And I think Morris said 20 points. Like, no, it wasn't the offensive numbers for any of these guys, any of the offensive plays. It was the defensive plays. It was the fact that the Celtics held Indiana to 74 points. And in fact, it was really less than that. Indiana got some garbage points late in this game when the game was already over. You know, the Celtics almost held Indiana to under 70 points. And they did it. Without Marcus Smart, who's their best defensive player, Marcus Smart out with an injury, they're saying he can miss the first two rounds. I told you last week that, you know, if the Celtics get to the second round, I would expect to see Marcus Smart at some point coming back earlier than we're talking about right now. And that will be a huge spark for the Celtics team. But in the meantime, you're going to need the type of defensive efforts that you saw yesterday out of Kyrie Irving. You know, coming up with steals, picking balls off, diving for loose balls after you uh, try to pick a ball off. I I mean, that was impressive, that type of defensive effort. And if they're going to do that night in and night out, 
this Celtics team, if they're going to show that type of fight, and like they we saw in the second half, and give you glimpses of Celtics teams the last couple of years that had that type of fight, that type of grit, especially in the playoffs, then this could be a special run for this group. It could be. It could be. So that was refreshing to see, right, from the Celtics, from a defensive perspective against Indiana in Game 1. And, and I think the biggest thing watching this Game 1 was the Pacers have no business winning this series. They don't. They don't. They don't even have their best player. Indiana has no business winning this series. The Celtics, you know, it's obviously tough to go on the road and win two. Win both. But the Celtics realistically should do it. Even without Marcus Smart, the Celtics should sweep Indiana. They should. They should sweep the Indiana Pacers. And if they don't sweep, they should at least win this thing in five. They should win it in five. That's what should happen, all right? Indiana has no business winning this series, and the Celtics has no business losing this series. Celtics should win this in at least five games. They should really sweep, but if they lose one in Indiana, they come back to the Garden in in Boston and win game five and, and close the series out then, I could see that. But the Celtics should not lose this series, and it shouldn't really even be close. If they're going to have that type of defensive effort like they had in Game 1, this should be a sweep or a five-game five win. That's what it should be for the Celtics. Game 2 is going to be Wednesday night at 7 o'clock on TNT. You know, we'll keep an eye on Jalen Brown. He, he was in the starting lineup for Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown had an awful offensive game. What do you have, two points? <laughs> I don't know if he... I don't know if he, like, thought, hey, I'm filling in for Marcus Smart, so I'm going to try to act like Marcus Smart, and, and I'm going to get into some altercations on the court, uh, pushing people from behind. He was out there pushing people, and at one point it was a little too much. I did not hate it. I didn't hate it. But I do think Jalen Brown needs to understand that. I don't know that anybody's asking him to be Marcus Smart. They're asking him to be Jalen Brown. And you're asking him, I think, to do a little bit better than two points in a game. So, um... Maybe they'll send that message home with a couple days off in between games one and two here in Boston. But uh, keep an eye on Jalen Brown. Also keep an eye on what Terry Rozier can do. Terry Rozier had a nice, he had a big shot at the end of the third quarter. They're going to need that from guys like him. Not just in this series, but you look ahead. Because that's what I think we should do. I think when you look at game one, you want to analyze that? Like I told you, I look at game one. Pacers have no business winning this series. Celtics have no business losing this series. Let's look ahead to the, the second round. It's going to be against Milwaukee. The Bucks lead the Pistons in that series, as I record this, one game to none. Milwaukee should beat Detroit. And, and we're going to be looking at the Celtics and the Bucks in the second round. Can the Celtics beat the Bucks? Well, I, I also think Marcus Smart's presence will be important there. I think we'll see him come back. I do, at some point. Maybe not game one or game two against Milwaukee, but perhaps game three, you come back to the Garden. Maybe game four. Places rocking when they introduce him to the starting lineup. And uh, it really it's going to be all about defense, how you can slow down the Greek freak, if you can slow him down at all. But I loved what I saw defensively from the Celtics, at least especially in the second half against Indiana in game one. And it, it just showed me that, you know, you should not, you, you should not lose this series to the Pacers. Pacers should not even come close to winning this series. Celtics should sweep or win this in five. They should. 
And that shouldn't that shouldn't be a surprise if the Celtics sweep all win it in five. What is a surprise right now in the NBA playoffs? A couple of them. You got Orlando, the seven seed Magic wins their game one in Toronto against the two seed Raptors. You got the Brooklyn Nets winning their game one in Philly over to the so the six seed Brooklyn Nets win their game one in Philly against the 76ers. <laughs> I guess the story of this one is that on the bench, Amir Johnson, and the video is clear as day, he has his cell phone out looking at a text message. Not only that, but you got Joel Embiid looking down at it. And it wasn't like Joel Embiid was looking down at the text that Amir Johnson was either sending or reading on his phone on the bench during the play during a playoff game. I mean, just in a game, even if it was a regular season game. I think we should we should go off on this. And I'm not even a 76ers fan. I mean, if this was happening on the Celtics bench, imagine what we'd be saying. It can't you can't have a cell phone on the bench. Never mind looking at text messages while you have your cell phone on the bench. Never mind during a playoff game. Never mind during a playoff game in which you lose in your own building to the six seed when you're a three seed. Man, I and and it's not just Amir Johnson, he's not playing anyways, but Joel Embiid is not just looking at the phone, he's reading the text with him. Now, Joel Embiid, after the game, he said Amir Johnson's daughter was sick, and he just, it was about that, and he wanted to see how she was, and, you know, I don't, look, I don't know anything about that health situation, and, and you know, I hope she's okay, right? But, um... I just you can't bring a cell phone. I, you cannot bring a cell phone on the bench. Now Mia Johnson got fined for it. He got fined. I mean, you can't suspend a guy who doesn't play, I guess. So he gets fined. But the idea that you even are gonna bring a cell phone on the bench is just a major no-no. And if I'm in bead, if I'm drawing bead in that moment, you know, I'm probably not. If I'm a 76ers fan and I see Embiid reading the text, I'm just as mad as Embiid as I am Amir Johnson. Because I'm looking at Embiid going, you're supposed to be the leader of this team. You shouldn't be reading the text. You should be saying, looking at Amir Johnson going, put that fucking thing away. All right? Put that away. You walk back to the locker room right now and put that thing away. Enough. Come on. Let's go. It's the playoffs. I know you're not playing, but, you know, we're a team. And we're getting embarrassed right now. And so, the fact that he didn't do that would be would be infuriating to me if I'm a 76ers fan today. But Brooklyn wins that game one. I don't think Brooklyn's going to win the series. I still think Philly's going to win that series. But, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, you know, maybe they can't, maybe the 76ers can't handle it. Was it, was it Embiid with the quote about, Fans booing them, saying it affects guys whether they should take a, another shot. That was Embiid, right? Was that after the last game? It, I, I saw a quote there, and I even saw there was like a video on Twitter where he's talking about how the booing of the fans affects the team. Trying to tell the fans to stop booing. That's going to make it worse. Because the minute you, <laughs> you trip, look, that's a, a championship hungry city. They won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. 
All right, last year, um, they just got they just added Bryce Hopper to the Phillies. They're looking for a World Series, right? Um, the Flyers aren't doing anything. They got a nice mascot, but they're not they're not in the playoffs. And you got a basketball team that's through one game of the playoffs at least is underachieving, and they're good. They're, if they see their star player looking at other other players on their team using their cell phone, that star player is not getting upset with that. And then that star player is going to get mad at the fans for booing. The fans are going to boo even more the next time you struggle at home against the team that you should be wiping the floor with. So talking about the fans booing you is not going to make it worse. The only thing that's going to make that better is going out and winning. And that's going to start with leaving the cell phones in the goddamn locker room. It is. So somebody needs to step up and say, so you got to do more than just fine, Amir Johnson. Somebody needs to have a conversation. Be like, hey, listen, I hope everything's all right with you and your family, but come on. You know, I'm sure we got some other guys in this room that have some issues going on off this court in their personal lives, and they're not bringing it, they're not bringing it to the bench. They're not bringing their cell phones to the bench. <laughs> all right? They're not. So leave the cell phone in here. Nobody on this team should be using cell phones during a playoff game. On the bench. I don't care how much you play. I don't care if you're a water boy. If you're the water boy, you shouldn't have your cell phone. Alright? Let's go. But I still expect Philly to win that series. Uh, but Brooklyn winning. Game one, certainly a surprise to me. And then uh, the other surprise, maybe we shouldn't call this a surprise because it's San Antonio and San Antonio is going to do San Antonio things in the playoffs. They win game one over the two-seed Denver Nuggets. So San Antonio, the seven-seed out west. They upset the two-seed Nuggets in Denver in their game one, and that's the way the NBA playoffs look. I'll continue to react to it. Again, a very fluid situation. I'm going to try to keep everything as timely as I can on this show, which is on demand. But uh, the Celtics, bringing it back to the local perspective, Celtics don't play game two until Wednesday night. So I will react to that. There's good time in there. I'll react to that on Thursday's podcast, and then the Bruins going to the Stanley Cup playoffs, going from the NBA to the NHL. The Bruins, since I last talked to you last week on Friday, the Bruins had lost Game 1 to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I told you that Tuka Rask needs to be a little bit better, even on breakaways, okay? Even on breakaways. In Game 2 at the Garden, the other night, the Bruins have a great response, right? That was exactly the type of response you needed. The Bruins win game two. They even this series 1-1 with the Maple Leafs. The series now shifts to Toronto. Game three in Toronto is tonight on this Monday, April 15th. And maybe by the time you listen to this, you might not listen to this until Tuesday. But as I record this on Monday morning, The Bruins entering Game 3 with the Maple Leafs. This series tied at 1. The biggest story of this series right now, and you are probably going to, you might hear about this suspension. You'll probably hear about this suspension, you know, before you even listen to this. But as I record, I don't know yet. Nazem Kadri is going to have a hearing today with the league. And Kadri, the assumption here is that he's going to receive a multi-game suspension. It's not going to be one. might not even be just two. It's probably going to, I would assume, a three-game suspension for Kadri. And if you watch game two, Kadri had a night, had a weird night, a bizarre night. 
His night ended when he cross-checked Jake DeBrusque right to the face. Just a vicious cross-check to the face. Cannot happen. You cannot allow that to happen. He got kicked out of the game. And I think we're all assuming there's going to be a suspension after he meets with the league today. And you probably will know about that suspension by the time you listen to this show. I'm going to assume a three-game suspension, two or three. It's going to be more than one. I will be shocked or surprised if it's only one game. It's got to be more than one. Now, people in Toronto are up in arms because they're looking at what happened before Kadri went after DeBrusque with the cross-check. And what happened before Kadri went after DeBrusque with the cross-check is that Kadri had to leave the game with what looked like a very serious knee injury after Jake DeBrusque went knee-to-knee with Kadri. Now, DeBrusque and Kadri were kind of going back and forth at each other anyways, right? There's going to be that every playoff series, you seem to have this little rivalry in the NBA, one player and another player. Kadri and DeBrusque were kind of going after each other. And um, there was a play at the, the the top of, at the blue line, where DeBrusque and Kadri were coming. You know, DeBrusque went to make contact with Kadri. Kadri did a little sidestep to the right, and DeBrusque made contact with his left knee to Kadri's left knee. Kadri went down. You would have thought he tore his ACL, uh, blew out his MCL. You would have thought he had the worst knee injury in the history of knee injuries, leaves the ice, only to come back flying around to find Jake DeBrusque and cross-check him in the face. So, it was a nice little sell job. In, in the professional wrestling world, they, they always say, you know, it's all about the sell. For Kadri, it seemingly was all about the sell. That knee injury was not as bad as he made it look. Now, people in Toronto will say, well, if you're going to punish Kadri, you better punish DeBrusque. Here's how I feel about knee-to-knee injuries, and I'm not just saying this because it's a Bruins player. I'd be saying it if it was the other way around. I would. Players know that a knee-to-knee injury, if you're connecting with the knee, if you're the guy that initiates the physical contact and, and the legs connect, the guy who initiates the contact knows very well that he could actually receive the worst physical punishment from this knee-to-knee than the guy who's receiving it. The guy given the knee-to-knee can be hurt just as badly, if not worse, than the guy who's receiving the the knee-to-knee. The guy dishing it out can get it worse than the guy receiving it. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Also, take into account, this is, you know, it's easy to slow it down and look at the slow-motion replay, but what is Jake DeBrus' goal in that moment? And again, take the Bruins jersey off him, put any jersey switch the roles. Let's say it was Kadri coming after DeBrusque. What, the player who's about to make that hit who doesn't have the puck, what's his role there? Well, like, what is he thinking? What's his goal in that moment? His goal is to create contact. Okay? His goal is to create contact. To make a hit. And in a split-second decision, as a guy sort of shifts to the right in a high-speed game, you're looking to make contact. And sometimes the natural instinct is to just stick out a body pot to make that contact. I do not think that that was... I do not think that the intent on DeBrus' pot was, hey, I'm coming after Kadri and I'm taking out his knee. For a couple reasons. One, it's a very... It's, it's, a, it's a reactionary play to the likes of which I don't know that anybody sitting on their couch or in the building, in the stands, can understand just how quick of a decision you have to make there to make contact 
it's just a it's a tough thing to just pull up off that hit once you set your mind to making contact on Kadri if you're DeBrusque. Okay? The other thing is the person making the contact, he knows if it, if he's going for the knee, he knows his knee could get it just as bad, if not worse, than Kadri's knee, and you don't want to hurt your knee like that. So I, I don't and I say this about knee to knee hits all the time. Sometimes there are some that are much worse than others. We let's be honest. We have seen a lot worse knee to knee hits. A lot more egregious and vicious knee to knees, which is stupid for the guy making the knee to knee. I don't think DeBrus goal was to severely damage Kadri's knee in that situation. I don't think it was. It's easy for us to break down the slow motion replay and say that, but I don't think it was. And if we you know, it, Kadri wasn't. He wasn't hurt. And he comes back and cross-checks to Brusque in the face. Kadri should get a multi-game suspension. He should. And it wasn't, you know, Kadri, earlier in the game, I thought had a vicious hit on Krejci. Krejci got sandwiched. Kadri comes out of nowhere from behind. I thought he left his feet. And they didn't call, they didn't even call a penalty on it. And he, and he hits Krejci high with a hit. I thought Krejci was going to be down and out after that one. He wasn't. But I thought that was a dirty hit on Kadri. Kadri's a dirty player, too. You know, there's a history here. So it's not really a surprise. You shouldn't be surprised Kadri's running around, cross-checking people in the face, coming up high on Krejci, doing a sell job on a knee-to-knee hit that really wasn't that vicious and was not... I do not think there was intent for DeBrusque. And it's easy for people to listen to me and say, Danny, you're from Boston, you're a Bruins fan, that's what he's saying. I'm telling you right now, if you've listened to me before about knee-to-knee hits... I say this all the time. It's easy to call out intent to injure when we slow that thing down to a snail's pace on the replay. It's so easy to do. I just think in a high-speed game where you determine you're going to make a, a, a hit, you're making contact, and a guy makes a little move, it's just such an easy thing to criticize and say, oh, he should slow up and not make contact. It's easy for us to say. I do not think there was intent to injure on DeBrusque Because, like I said, he could get just as injured as Kadri in that moment. But I expect, I will be surprised if Kadri does not get two or three games. If he only gets one, I will be surprised. I will. Speaking of surprises, the biggest surprise in the Stanley Cup playoffs is that Columbus, the eight seed, is up. 3-0 on Tampa Bay. And here in Boston, we're looking at that going, wow, eliminate the lightning. Yeah. Because with the set brackets, if the Bruins could beat Toronto, now you got to beat Toronto. you got to beat Toronto, obviously. And it's not going to be easy moving forward because that building's going to be rocking tonight. And, and then again in game four. And they're trying to get Austin Matthews involved. Matthews, who, I, you know, I wouldn't even know he's playing if I've been, you know, if I, if I didn't see him in uniform. Hear, or hear anyone talking about him. But, you know, you expect maybe he'll get it going. It's not going to be easy for the Bruins now that it goes to Toronto. But if we are going to say that, hey, if the Bruins can win the first round, the last couple of weeks, even the last couple of months, all we've been talking about is this second-round matchup with Tampa Bay, not thinking that Tampa Bay could, could lose to Columbus. And not only lose, but maybe get swept. <laughs> Columbus is up 3-0 on Tampa. Tampa Bay, the President's Trophy winner. And this is the beauty of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The beauty of it. The beauty of it. We sh- Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. 
We've seen, and here in Boston, remember the Joe Thornton teams, you know, the one seeds or the two seeds, you play Montreal in the first round. The Stanley Cup playoffs, this stuff can happen. You can ride a hot goaltender. Columbus, Bobrovsky's, you know, tossing the leg out. Oh, what a save. Tossing the blocker up. What a save. It's like you can ride a hot goalie. Next thing you know, the best team in the league is is looking up saying prayers in the second period of game three. So uh, maybe we shouldn't be surprised, but it, Columbus is just right now, they got the goaltender, and you even go back to game one, the first period, Bobrovsky lets up three goals, Tampa's up 3 nothing game one, and you're looking at that going, wow, it's going to be an easy series for Tampa. <laughs> Columbus comes back, they win that game 4-3, and, like, they're just riding the wave right now. And it could ride the Lightning, the best team in the regular season, right out of the tournament. And open up a door for a team like the Bruins or Toronto in that second round to, to, to have an easier matchup. And it will be an easier matchup. It will be. But again, get your goaltender hot. And anything can happen for you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you did in the regular season. If there's any sport where once you get into the tournament, everyone's got a shot, this is the sport. I say it all the time. And this is a perfect example of it. So, go Columbus, right? Go Columbus. Obviously, the Bruins need to take care of business. I'll react to what happens in this series. Next time I talk to you on Thursday, we'll be through games... What, so it'll be good time in there. We'll be able to, I'll be able to react, on Thursday I'll be able to react to the Celtics, game two, which is Wednesday night, and I'll be able to react to both games three and four, because game four in Toronto will be Wednesday night. Right? That's the schedule? So, a lot going on. So much going on, that it's also a little difficult to keep up with what the Red Sox are doing. Now, the Red Sox, as we speak, are playing in the Marathon Monday game. And the interesting part about this Marathon Monday game is that the lineup's a little wacky to the point where you got Christian Vasquez playing second base. Christian Vasquez is playing second base today. The Red Sox have been hit with the flu. And, um, you know, so that's wacky. Christian Vasquez, the catcher, playing second base. But before this Marathon Monday game, against Baltimore. The Red Sox took two of the first three against Baltimore. Uh, The one game that Baltimore won was on Saturday. Chris Davis snapped an 0-for-54 drought at the plate, and he did it against Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello, it's the 0-3 to begin the season. Not a great start for Ricky P. The Red Sox pitching has really been the big thing. The starting pitching has been the big thing. So what was refreshing, I think the most refreshing part of this weekend series, four-game series against Baltimore, is that David Price was awesome on Sunday. David Price just cruised through seven scoreless innings, seven strikeouts, no walks, only three hits, against seven scoreless, a 4 nothing Red Sox win, just complete command for David Price. Pinpoint precision. He had a nice fastball. He had a good changeup. He had a solid cutter. But more than anything with those pitches, he was just controlling where he wanted to put it. Pinpoint accuracy. Complete command for David Price. And, you know, that's a great sign. That's a great sign. You needed that. 
He needed that. That was honestly like what you know, and I was back and forth with everything that we were watching on Sunday. But what I did see, you know, you, it's one of those nod your head and approval outings where it's like, wow, this is some of the best pitching I've seen from Price. And we saw him pitch phenomenal in the playoffs last year in the World Series. Um, but that just looked great on Sunday against Baltimore, and they needed that from one of their starters. And now, you know, with Hector Velasquez going today on this Marathon Monday game, it answers the question, where are they going to, when are they going to throw Chris Sale back out there? I talked last week, you know, about some opportunities. Would you pitch Sale on Sunday on normal rest? Because you're not going to pitch him uh, in the in the Marathon game. And Chris Sale, who's been struggling, you're not going to tell him to, you're not going to say, hey, pitch at 11 a.m., you know, that's, I don't think that's the way you handle your ACEs struggles, early season struggles. But then I also questioned, well, would it be good to handle your ACEs early season struggles by throwing them out in the Bronx on Tuesday night against the Yankees? And initially during the show that I said this last week, I questioned it. But at the same time, I took a step back during the show and said, well, wait a minute. No, you, you just signed Chris Sale to a $145 million extension. And you didn't sign him to that extension to be your ace in order to in order to have him avoid these games against the Yankees in the Bronx. Like, no. You signed him to that extension in order to pitch these games against the Yankees in the Bronx, and that's what the Red Sox are going to do, and good for the Red Sox. Chris Sale will pitch Tuesday night, tomorrow night, against the Yankees in the Bronx. It's a quick two-game series, but it'll be on six days rest. And uh, I'll be watching it. I'll react to it. But it should be interesting to see what Chris Sale has in the tank. And this one, little extra rest coming into it. The adrenaline should be pumping against the Yankees in New York. And uh, I, I, don't, I honestly don't know what to expect from Chris Sale. I really don't. But it should be exciting. So we'll keep an eye on the Red Sox. It's a long season. And there is a lot going on in the sports world outside of the Red Sox. As I told you, I mean, the NFL season is going to be here before you know it. The Patriots began voluntary off-season workouts this week. They began them this week. In fact, today, there's already the Patriots are posting pictures on social media of guys running sprints <laughs> on the practice field. And it's like, already? I feel like the Super Bowl celebration was just two weeks ago. But it's flying by. Off-season's flying by. Uh, the NFL draft is next week. Tom Brady will not once again, he will not take part in the voluntary off-season workouts. We know the drama that came with that last year. He also did not take part last year. Gronk did not take part last year either. And that was controversial because he showed up for that motocross press conference at Gillette while the team across the hall was lifting weights and running sprints. Right? <laughs> and Gronk was not participating in that. Was not showing up for that. Gronk wasn't showing up for that. Brady didn't show up for that. Gronk is now retired, so he says, I still think he'll come back next season. Brady is not retired, but he's once again not participating. There's a report that says he's going to bulk up this offseason. I know what bulk up means, but it doesn't that go against everything that Brady preaches with the TB12 method, bulking up? So I'm a little confused by this report. Is that just, did Brady leak that on purpose to tease everybody? just so he can have his next Instagram post where um, he crops his head on Brock Lesnar's body or something. like that. <laughs> I don't know where this report is coming from, but doesn't it go against everything they've told us about the TB12 method? It seems like it. 
But whether or not Brady participates in any offseason activities with the Patriots this year, whether Brady participates, the Patriots will be without Chris Hogan because Chris Hogan has signed with the Carolina Panthers. As I record this, we do not yet know the details on this signing. So I don't know how much money they're giving him. And I know there were questions about Hogan and his his production last year. I expected him to be back, though. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I expected Hogan to be back. So I'm a little surprised by this. I don't know what the details of the contract are. But Chris Hogan will not be back with the Patriots, at least not this year. He signed with the Carolina Panthers. Um, So the Patriots, who knows, keep an eye on some type of trade, I guess, at the wide receiver position. Because, you know, when you lose Gronk, and now you're losing Hogan. And, um, you know, not to mention you're with a couple other guys, without a couple other guys. Where are they going? At Where are they going at this position? Are they going to look at Philip Dossett to play a huge role next year? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Haven't we been expecting that for a little bit now? And it hasn't happened? Keep an eye on the Patriots. The draft is next week. They could trade, make some trades, make some moves. We'll see what they do. Uh, and then the... I guess the biggest NFL story right now is Russell Wilson has set his own deadline on when he and the Seahawks will have to reach an agreement on a new contract. Russell Wilson entering the final year of his deal, but he has set a deadline, which is, I believe, tonight at midnight, saying that if they don't come to an agreement, he's not signing anything during the season which means that we're probably looking at a Seahawks franchise tag next year, maybe for a potential trade. There have been rumors that Russell Wilson wants to play for the Giants. Maybe he'll keep an eye on the Eli Manning situation. Maybe the Giants will be keeping an eye on the Russell Wilson situation. And, uh, you know, I don't know what Eli Manning's future is, but we'll see what Russell Wilson's future is. But that's the top story in the NFL. I'll keep an eye on it. I'll react to anything that happens on Thursday's podcast. Get this show whenever you want on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are available. Um, Also on Podcast One, obviously. Follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. I got it. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Uh, Enjoy the playoffs. I'll be watching all the playoff games and I will react to all the playoff action on Thursday. Talk to you then.